Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 158 of The Yacking Show. This is the show to awaken you to new perspectives for the changing world we're living in. And as always, we have interesting guests. Today's will be no exception, but it's not my job to introduce guests. Kathleen does it so much better than I do. Uh, so I would like to introduce co-host of The Yacking Show, Kathleen Beauvais. And before she speaks, I've got to tell you, she wears another hat and she can help you solve your IT problems. If you're looking to recruit star people or to get contract work done, get hold of Kathleen. Her contact details are in the description of the show. So over to you. Welcome, Kathleen. How are you doing today? <laughs> Thank you so much, Peter, for that introduction. I really appreciate it. And we really appreciate you for tuning into our show. We do appreciate also your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Alison Verhalen. Alison, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm well, thank you so much for having me. Now, Allison, you are the owner and president of AV Writing Services. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a content marketer and also maybe tell us about the services that you offer? Yeah, so I, way back in college, I majored in English and psychology. I always like to say that was the perfect degree for content marketing. I had no idea what content marketing was. Thought I wanted to work in publishing, graduated in 2009, right after the job market crashed. So there were no jobs to be had in publishing or really anywhere else. So, you know, I was a receptionist, I was in customer service, they were jobs, they were not careers. Found myself between jobs at one point, and my roommate at the time, her dad, who was an attorney um, and was a partner in his own law firm, he was awesome and offered to give me stuff to do around his office until I got back on my feet. And one of the things he needed was someone to write blog posts for his law firm. He knew I had a strong writing background, so he offered me the gig. I was more than happy to get paid to write. That was the dream as far as I was concerned. So I started writing for him and it went really well. Uh, started writing for an associate of his and then for some friends of mine. Did eventually get another day job, but I kept writing on the side and it just kept growing to the point where I couldn't do both anymore. So quit the day job about seven years ago now and I've been doing this full-time ever since and yeah as the more I've gotten into it the more it has morphed from freelance writing to content marketing to SEO strategist because it's gotten more and more competitive in this day and age you cannot mm -hmm. just write blog posts without an understanding of SEO so I've had to learn all of that along the way so yeah now my my services are not just blog writing but blogging and marketing and coming up with the strategy and doing the keyword research and helping you get your SEO in order all all of that so that you can show up in searches and create content that is engaging and leads people through the buyer journey so they turn into customers Excellent. Wow, well done. I, I got to ask you though, you, you went at a comparatively young age to start writing in the law firm. You, you hadn't, you're not, you weren't a lawyer. And I know that you did very well. I think on your website, you said you, they earned 75,000 bucks in the first year from your content. How did you get to knowledgeable so quickly to write about law when you didn't have a law background? Yeah. It was a lot of online research, uh, the way I, and I write differently for different clients, depending mm -hmm. on how they're comfortable. The way that I write for this particular client was there would be like a newspaper article about a lawsuit that would deal with the kind of law that they deal with. So they would give me uh, the article and say, okay. here, turn it into a blog post. 
So that was really how I got my law degree, so to speak. Right. Very good. <laughs> because I do now, uh, yeah, I, I do now know way more about employment law and business law than I ever thought I would just because, yeah, and in order to make my class sound like experts, I kind of have to be an expert in the field. So yeah, it's just a lot of, of online research. Wow, well done. And, and what was impressive was that we read that on your website, for this particular law firm, you were able to help them generate an additional $75,000 in revenues. I mean, that's, that's outstanding. But yeah, in the it, first six months that I was writing blog posts for them, um, yeah, it was 75 grand and they were not paying you 75 grand. So <laughs> the, the ROI that, that that generated was significant. So can I ask you what SEO and content strategies you use in order to pull something like that off? That is incredible. Yeah, well, this was so long ago. I really did not understand SEO. I think I kind of had a vague understanding of keywords. Mm -hmm. So I was making sure to use certain keywords throughout all the content. So they would show up in those searches. And it was way less competitive back mm-hmm. then than it is now. The, the blogging market is much more competitive now. But yeah, the strategies involved writing more for them, honestly. Writing, in, you know, instead of, you know, when you're writing your own stuff and trying to run a business, you write a blog post whenever you have time and it's very inconsistent and it's honestly not very good. Uh, this attorney was writing his own blog posts and he really should not have been writing his own blog post <laughs> as, as someone who went in to see what he was doing. So I could get an idea of what I should be doing. I was like, yeah, no, I I'll take this over. Cause I know I can do a better job than this. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, consistency was one consistently putting out content every week, uh, at least two to four blog posts per month. Um, so yeah, a new blog post per week was the goal. So I, I fully recommend everyone write at least one blog post per week for their blog, just because that's, that's what it takes these days in order to convince Google, you've got what it takes and to really Mm -hmm. see results from your blog and just writing it in a way that's engaging, writing it, putting it into a story that people actually want to read and makes clear to them why this is important, why it's important to them, how their life can be affected if they don't contact an attorney. And then having that call to action at the end that makes it really easy for them to reach out to an attorney and schedule that discovery call. And how long Mm -hmm. do you typically make these blog posts? At least 500 words. And again, this is one of those things that has changed over time uh, because it seems like every year Google adds words um, to their their ideal length of a blog post. Mm -hmm. It used to be 500 words was the rule. And lately, I think the most recent one I saw was like 1750 some words is the average length of a blog post that shows up on the first page of Google. Mm -hmm. So it keeps getting longer. Google likes those really long in-depth articles. And I hear a lot of people saying that people don't read that much, but they do. The data shows that the longer the content, the more time people do spend engaging with it. So yeah, the the long in-depth blog posts that really go deep into a topic are the ones that, that tend to perform the best. Wow. So you've you've mentioned something that I was going to ask you anyway. Uh, What are the most common mistakes that people make either with their blogs or with blog posts in particular in your experience? Yeah, not having a schedule is a Mm -hmm. big one. Saying that, you know, they'll blog whenever they get around to it. And I think we've all been guilty of 
you know, as a business owner, you have a million things to do. And if you don't like blogging or if it's not your strong suit, you're going to put it off because there's always something else to do. Mm -hmm. So absolutely stick to a schedule blog every week if you can. Um, and make sure it's high quality. If you can't do high quality every week, then make it every other week, but it has to be high quality content and then not having a strategy behind it. I think a lot of people blog about what is interesting to them without thinking about what's interesting to their audience and what is going to engage them and, and again, lead them through the buyer journey. So it's, yeah, I think a lot of people forget the marketing part of blogging and it it really is its own strategy. So Mm -hmm. you need Mm -hmm. to not just know those keywords, which is super important, but you also need to understand how to make it interesting to your target audience, which means you have to understand who your target audience is and how you're going to lead them through the buyer journal journey mm-hmm. to that next stage so that you can convert them into customers. Right. And that conversion process can take a long time, correct? Yeah, it can, especially if you're like in a B2B industry like mm-hmm. or, or professional services like an attorney or a financial planner. Those tend to have long buyer journeys. Yeah, blogging is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It is definitely a long, long-term strategy. Yeah. No, very good. Thanks. Interesting. So switching gears a little bit, you're also quite experienced in public speaking. So do you have any tips for those people, for those of us who are afraid of public speaking? And uh, how do you get over that? Yeah, that's a good question, because I've really never been afraid of public speaking. (laughs) I've always, I I know, right? Um, I I think I'm in another life, I would have been an actress, because I've kind of always loved the spotlight. Um, I would say start small. I started speaking at networking events where Mm -hmm. I knew everyone I was speaking to. And so I knew that, you know, no one would laugh at me or call me an idiot or anything like that. Um, And the more you do that and realize that you're not going to (laughs) die. I have a coach who has her clients text her when they do stuff that is scary and they, they text her saying, I didn't die. So if you can do that and and get out there and do some public speaking in areas that you know are safe and realize that you're not going to die, then you can graduate to doing those larger audiences and podcasts like this. Mm -hmm. That's right. And no, I agree with with you. One of the things I found was very good was Toastmasters. Uh, I don't know if you've come across Toastmasters. It's an organization started back in the 30s. And I, as you can hear from my voice, I have, I'm not a born Canadian or North American. I lived most of my life in Africa. So when I came here, I wanted to get into public speaking. And I found Toastmasters was really good to get experience, as you've just said, in a safe environment. And uh, it helped a lot of people move along the journey from being a scared novice to being an accomplished public speaker. So, yeah, great, great. So what are some of your highlights? And you've done, looking at your website, you've done a lot of presentations to some powerful audiences and uh, big, big events. So what are some of the highlights of your public speaking career so far? Oh, that's a good question. Um, There's a networking group called WESOS, which stands for Women Entrepreneurs Secrets of Success. And I, I spoke at a bunch of their chapters And that was a lot of fun and also just um, beneficial for my business. Mm -hmm. I think that was when I first realized that like, this is a good business strategy. This is something I should do more to uh, get clients in the door and and build myself as as an authority on this subject. So um, yeah, doing that. 
Very good. A quick one for some of our audience who might be listening, and I don't know if you had experience. I found church groups were very good audiences. They're very, very kind and, and not critical. And that's another good one to gain a bit of experience as they tend to be small groups of interested people. So that works for some people as well. Great. <clears throat> then Kathleen wanted to ask you something, I think. So, Allison, if somebody is interested in having um, some content created by you, can you take us through the process? So I pick up the phone, call you, and I'm in need of help. What can mm-hmm. you expect from you? What's the process? Yeah. So like I said, it is a little different for every client, just based on what they're comfortable with. I have clients, like I said, I have that attorney who will send me like a newspaper article and have me turn it into a blog post. I have clients who will send me topics that they want me to cover, uh, maybe a bullet point list of things they want me to cover in the blog post, and then they let me run with it. I have other clients who don't even want to be bothered coming up with topics. They just hand it all over to me and I can do the research and see where those content gaps are. What are the keywords that people are searching for that don't already have content out there? And that's how I determine the topics to cover. So I will do that research and come up with the keywords and the topic and write the blog post and and do it all. So it really depends on what the customer is comfortable with. As far as new customers, there is always a discovery call. I do always want to talk to you, know what your your challenges are, why you want to invest in content marketing, if you've done any content marketing so far, and what your brand voice is like. So if we do decide to work together, that's usually my first step is to look at their website if they have one and get an idea of what their content is like. Mm-hmm. So I can I can get a feel for their tone of voice so that when I write content for them, it sounds like them instead of sounding like me. I have worked with companies who are doing a brand refresh and I'll ask to see their website and they'll be like, "Uh, don't look at that. That's not what we want right now. We're putting out something else instead. So then it's like, okay, what do you want it to sound like? And I usually ask them for examples of other pieces of content out on the web that they like, that they would like to emulate on their own website so that I can look through those and again, get a feel for what they're aiming for in their content, because I do always want it to be very customized to the individuals. So it, it, it sounds like them and it fits with their needs. Mm-hmm. So is that part of your service as well, that you can advise your clients on website content over and above pure blog posts. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do everything from, you know, the landing pages, the sales pages, the home pages, the, and the blog. Yep. Oh my. And I got to ask you, do you do all this yourself or have you got um, people in your team that you that do it with you? Uh, at the moment I'm doing it all myself. I do have plans oh. to grow and, and add people to my team, but at, at the moment I'm a one woman shop. Wow, well done. Gee, that is And, good and you know, my question is, if somebody were to ask me to write them a blog post, I'd, I'd sit at the computer in a daze for, for hours and upon hours. So do you ever get writer's block? And, and you just like, how do you, how do you, what kind of frame of mind do you have to, <laughs> to, get yeah. to sit well, and just write? Yeah, getting past that whole writer's block is uh, a whole presentation and a whole blog post that I've given, um, just because that is one of the things that yeah, that a lot of people struggle with. So first up is that keyword research. There is a tool before I do keyword research called answerthepublic.com. Mm-hmm. It is yes, a free resource. Yeah, I love yeah. that tool. I'll just put in like a service that I offer or uh, 
something, you know, something to do with what they're offering, um, just because it generates all the most commonly asked questions mm -hmm. from the internet using that particular word or phrase. Um, so that can be a great way to get blog post topic ideas. And then I'll take that and go to my, my keyword research tool and make sure that it's actually a good keyword. People are searching for it. It's not too competitive, all that good stuff. So that's, that's my, my go-to when I don't know what to write about. Um, I also like checking out the competition, seeing what they're writing about, um, never copying their content, but mm -hmm. if they're covering a certain topic, there's probably a reason. Um, and if you can add to the conversation, even better, if you can say, you know, so-and-so had this take on a topic, but I don't agree with them and here's why, mm -hmm. that can be a really great way to drive traffic to your website. So that's another tip that I always recommend. Mm -hmm. Very good. So we've got a little bit of time in hand. I'm going to ask you something else. And well, it's a two part question. Have you noticed any significant changes in the last two years with all the restrictions of the virus? Let's deal with that one first. What, what have you seen coming out of that? If far from restrictions, I think it's gotten, um, it's expanded just because mm -hmm. the people who were like the last holdouts who were saying, I don't need a website, I don't need to be online, were finally forced to admit that they do need to they be do. online right. because that's how everyone is, is interacting with each other these days. So mm -hmm. that was the biggest change from the pandemic that I saw. Yeah, we've heard that from other people yeah. in sort of online online work uh, as well. So then the other part of that question, or a different question, where where are we going over the next few years? You know, you already mentioned that the optimum length of blog posts gone from 500 to 1750 words. What And Google have made all sorts of changes over the last few years in the way the search engines and the algorithms work. What do you see going forward? Say, take a two-year view. How do you see things developing? Uh, well, voice search is already big and it's continuing to get bigger as we have more and more people um, using those home, those virtual home assistants um, and verbally asking questions, which is interesting because right now, um, first of all, those are getting a bigger share of the market. More and more people are adding those virtual assistants to their homes. So, um, yeah, so that's going to be a huge part mm -hmm. that that changes the way people ask questions. Um, they're not just typing just the nouns and verbs into the search box. They're actually using full sentences, which means Google needs to get better at understanding language, which it's not great at right now. It's, it is getting better, but that is one of the pitfalls of machine learning right now. Mm -hmm. um, machine learning is also getting better at, uh, at writing our content for us. Um, so that's going to be maybe not the next two years that might be farther out, but mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. something that is in the works that will have an effect on the industry. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of the things. And actually, the interesting thing about voice search is that most of the virtual assistants are not Google based right now when we talk about SEO, we're really talking about Google because it sure. has the lion's share of the, of the search market. But the more people use virtual assistants, most of them don't use um, Google. Most of them use Bing or they use Amazon or some combination thereof. Google does have its own virtual assistant, but it has a tiny share of the virtual assistant mm -hmm. market. So whether or not Google will be able to catch up there has yet to be determined. But if they don't, uh, we might see people using, um, talking more about other search engines like Bing when they talk about their SEO strategy. Right. Interesting. And um, I have a question for you. So you do all this writing for other people, but do you do you write for yourself as well? Are you 
do you have any um, aspirations to write a novel or your own material? Yes and yes. <laughs> so it did take me an embarrassing long time to get my own blog up and running. <laughs> it was one of those, you know, the cobbler has no shoes kind of a thing. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and after a while, I was like, I can't tell people they need a blog for their business if I'm not blogging for my business. So uh, yeah, so I got a blog up and running. And that is one of the first things that I did was to make sure that I had a schedule so that I knew when I would be publishing every week because I knew if I didn't set a schedule, it would be again, one of those things that never got done because there's always something else to do. And I do enjoy writing for my own blog, but um, I do have to treat it like uh, like a deadline, just like I treat a deadline for any client to make sure that it gets done on time. So yes, I do publish a new blog post every week. Um, I am working on a book for my business and I am working on a novel. So I have the fun writing and I have the writing for my business that I'm constantly doing. So yeah, all of the writing. <laughs> very good. Very good. Excellent. So here's one for you, which is, it's a little bit out of what we've been discussing, but I think it's, it's related. We all tend to publicize our content on social media one way or the other. I, I see that the social media landscape is changing. Many more people, in my opinion, are getting concerned with shadow banning and, and uh, censoring and, and going away from some of the original huge platforms. And there's quite a big following of many of the newer platforms like MeWe and uh, Liberty up here in Canada and, and Parler and all these. So with this now spread of social media, is, <clears throat> does one have to be careful about how one promotes one's content? Um, are people going to be more specialized in, in what they follow to pick up that content? What's, what's your mm -hmm. thinking on that? Yeah, well, it's like any other part of your marketing. You need a strategy to mm -hmm. know where your target audience is hanging out online so that you can hang out in those places and not just hang out, but engage. I think that's yes. one of the biggest problems that people make when they're, they're promoting their content is they hop on, they promote, they hop off and they don't spend time engaging. They mm -hmm. don't follow influencers in their industry. They don't follow their, their ideal clients, their target audience on those social media platforms. And then they wonder why no one is engaging with their sure. content. And that's um, so, yeah. But that's the key, what you just said, the strategy, because, you know, if you're trying to engage on eight different platforms and perhaps another three on video, YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, and some mm -hmm. of the others, you, unless you've got a huge team in your marketing department, you can't do it. Uh, yeah. especially as an entrepreneur you say I, I think you've really got to as you've just said find out where your audience is hanging out and put all your effort on those perhaps three or four channels mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah I yeah. agree makes life interesting all the same yeah it does indeed so so here's one it's what I call my burning question that um, I like to ask all successful people and we certainly put you in that category from what you've been telling us so You've worked with a number of clients, and some, I guess, are more successful than others. So in your experience, is there a single mindset, a habit, a characteristic, whatever you want to call it, that separates the people who are successful? And I don't just mean making money. I mean balance, mm -hmm. success, with those who continue to struggle and never really make it. Is there something, do you think, a key to that difference? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing I've noticed is uh, the ones who are successful that I've seen are the ones who know to focus, they know what their strengths are, and they know to focus on those strengths, and they outsource the rest, and they don't mm -hmm. micromanage mm -hmm. the people they're outsourcing to, they 
hire good people. They do the, the, they vet them before they hire them and make sure they know what they're doing and then trust them to just take it and run with it. Um, I think, I think as entrepreneurs and speaking as a fellow control freak, I, I think we all have a, a little control freak in us and it can be hard to let go. Sure. Um, but yeah, the ones who are really successful are the ones who know uh, that their business is, you know, is better off if they're not handling every single Everything. aspect of yeah. the business. Yeah. Yeah, very, very good. Very good point. And something similar to what a lot of people have answered that question, focus is a big one that's come up a lot and yes. concentrating on strengths has come up. Um, not many have said don't make micromanage. It's something I firmly believe in. If you're going to go to the trouble of letting someone else do it, then let them do it sort of thing if you're happy with yeah. it. Now, that, that's great. Thank you for that. That's an interesting addition to our list of answers on that question, eh, Kasni? Yes, absolutely. And so, wow, Alison, so we are running low on time here, but how do people contact you? And in fact, you can work with anybody in the world. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, everything I do is virtual. So, uh, yeah, contact me wherever you are. And <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so my website is a, v as in Victor, writingservices.com, and you can check out my blog there and all my services. I am on, I don't want to say I'm on all the social media channels because that's not true, but I am, uh, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today. We really did appreciate it and uh, great, great conversation. Thank you. Yeah, and I got to jump in to yes. tell our audience and especially the ones who, who are listening to this on an audio podcast Go and have a look at Alison's website. You'll find that link uh, if you're audio in the description. Uh, I've been there several times, spent some time on it. It's well worth looking at and you'll pick up some really good tips. Uh, even if you're not ready to hire her yet, you'll still get some good tips. So they're worth going to. Thanks. And a little plug from my friend, Peter. And um, Peter, why don't you lift up your book to show the folks at home? Peter wrote a wonderful book called five steps to thriving on adversity i've read this book cover to cover it is absolutely phenomenal what peter has been through uh in his years in africa and um yeah i highly recommend it peter how do people get your book to my blog and it's not as well looked after as allison's blog i have to confess <laughs> but uh, if you go to peterwritesblog.com on the front page there's a form there where you can order the book thanks for that Kirsty. All right. And thanks you again for joining us today. And we do enjoy reading your comments. So once again, please keep those coming. And until next time, everyone, take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.